You're listening to the Fantasy Wildcard Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Wildcard Podcast. I'll be your host this week, Matt. You can follow me on Twitter at MattFFDynasty. With always is my co-host Kev, you can follow on Twitter at Dynasty underscore Go. Kev, Merry Christmas. How are you? Merry Christmas, Matt. I'm very good, thank you. How are you feeling? I'm very good, thank you. Had a had a nice little rest over Christmas. Um, what about yourself? Have you, have you been up to much in this um, different Christmas, should we say? Uh, to be honest, Matt, I've just been um, just been eating, keeping warm, and <laughs> uh, winning ships. <laughs> That's well. You just mentioned it. It's obviously Championship Week. How did you get on, Kev? Plenty of uh, championships, I'm assuming. Well, it's it's debatable how many championships I won. Um, there's a definite one that I did win, but there's also another one where I uh, it was a it was a fantasy football astronauts Devi League, which I ended up drafting the team. But then um, once once I left the Astros, I was asked to leave the league as well, which uh, which was pretty sad, but. Uh, that team actually ended up winning the league, so I'm counting that as a, nice. a another victory for me. So yeah, I get don't it. believe you on, mate. You built the foundation. I think you should uh, take the glory as well. <laughs> yeah, it's a Debbie league that's going to get Justin Fields as well, so uh, a Debbie team is going to get him. So <laughs> that's it. Set up, set up for glory for plenty of years. Thanks to you, Kev. What a hero! <laughs> <laughs> right. So as I say, obviously we're going to recap Week 16, the Championship Week. So hopefully um, you've had plenty of players in your in your roster that have balled out this week and. And brought you on that championship. So we'll kick things straight off and get into the first game, which was the Vikings at the Saints. Yeah, so the Saints clinched the fourth straight NFC South title with a 52-33 to home victory against the Vikings. It was a Christmas miracle for Alvin Kamara, who had six rushing touchdowns and a godly 56.2 fantasy points. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned it, but um, I actually traded for him on Christmas Day uh, and he ended up winning me one of my chips. Uh, so... Nice. Um, but maybe a bit of luck involved there. I didn't expect him to score that many, but uh, I guess you've got to make these bold moves to to win a title now and then. Um, yeah. But he, he was the number one player on the week, and it was the number two performance on the season, only behind Tyree Kill's monster game against the Bucks. Uh, and this game will have won many fantasy players their titles this weekend, uh, which I think for Kamara it does create a vividness bias. Plus, he is the running back one on the season. So, I see him being the likely top three picking dynasty starts next season. Uh, and it just means that his, his value's at a peak, really, which often leads to a sell-high narrative. Uh, but he's also one of the few running backs in the league that's got a high floor and a high ceiling, which uh, for dynasty is perfect. So, I just want to get your take on this. If you're a, a, Kamara, a Kamara owner, do you decide to cash in? And if so, what sort of trade package would you be looking to acquire? Yeah, it's quite funny actually because this year, like yourself, I won two championships and in both of those leagues I had Kamara, so it is quite interesting that he tends to be a guy that's, I think he's carried a lot of teams to to the finals and obviously after the week, like you just mentioned, he's probably won a lot of finals for people as well. Um, Me personally, I think I'd hold him if I can, if I'm in a position where I can hold him, but if you're you're on a team where you, you need to improve in other areas or you're just looking to maybe acquire some some other assets, I would move him on. As you said, I think he is now his peak value. I can't see him going much above what he's at right now. So if you are in that position where you can make a move for somebody like 
Jonathan Taylor or DeAndre Swift get on these younger running backs and then get a piece of on top to help improve in other areas. I'd definitely be doing something like that. Obviously, rebuilding teams as well. We're both big advocates of, of running backs being the last position really that you focus on. So if you do happen to be rebuilding and you somehow have Kamara in, in your rebuild, I'd be moving him on. And, and as I say, just, just getting them pieces in to, to help other areas of your squad and then, and then focusing on the running backs later on. What about yourself? Yeah, so I, I mean, if we think back to last season, first of all, if you had a guy like Christian McCaffrey or uh, Michael Thomas, Lamar Jackson, all those were the number one scoring players at their positions. And if you'd have sold high on them, you'd look pretty smart now. Um, so I think it is always a, a good time to sell when they do reach the uh, number one ranking at their position but yeah. the flip side is there's not many players like Kamara there's not many trades out there that would actually uh, sort of work in your favour so it would have to be a really good trade for me to sell Kamara I think if there was to be a trade out there it'd have to include someone like Jonathan Taylor or DeAndre Swift plus yeah. a bit extra on top which mm-hmm. but with the way they've finished the season I, I guess there'll be fantasy owners out there that wouldn't do that trade, I don't think. If yeah, you've got Kamara, um, if you've got Taylor or Swift, I'd find it hard for them to give up. Maybe uh, say Jonathan Taylor in a first to then move up to Kamara yeah. because uh, again they've had strong finishes to the season as well. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with you on that one, Kev. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's always a tough one running backs, and as I say, you never really know with running backs that can. Anything could happen next season, so it is a tough time to now decide if you if you're wanting to to sell in the off season. Your best time to sell players like this is probably during the season. Yeah. And there's other teams that are needing to acquire like like yourself. With with getting Kamari, you needed that piece, so that's probably when his his best value comes in the off season. People will be going to be hyping up people like Jonathan Taylor and and Swift. And as I say, you're not 100 percent sure what's going to be happening with Kamari going into next season and how big the gap's going to be in next season between those guys. So. Yeah, it's always a tough one to, to put a price really on someone like Kamara at this stage in the season. And he's won you a ship as well, hasn't he? He'll won a lot of people yeah. ships this season, so it's uh, they're not going to sell him cheap, I don't think. Yeah, for sure. So we'll go on to the next game then, which was the Buccaneers at the Lions. Quite a comfortable victory this one for the Buccaneers, resulting in them uh, making the playoffs for the first time in 13 years. Uh, the standout performer in this one for me was Mike Evans. 10 receptions, 181 yards and two touchdowns. And that resulted in 40.1 fantasy points this week, which made him finish the wide receiver three for the week. So now he's the wide receiver 11 for the season. And after that slow start to begin the season, he really picked things up in the second half. He came on one of Brady's favourite red zone targets with 20 targets, and he turned us into nine touchdowns. So just turned into a real solid player for, for the Buccaneers in the back end of the season. He ended up finishing fourth in the NFL and receiving touchdowns with 13. So a great season for Evans in regards to touchdowns. Um, and he's only 40 yards off his seven consecutive thousand yard season which is just it's unbelievable really he's coming as a rookie and just put thousand yard seasons year after year it's just unbelievable um, and it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out with the Buccaneers obviously at the end of this season we know Chris Godwin he becomes an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year so it could be interesting if Godwin moves on Tom Brady's will obviously he's not getting any younger yeah. it'll be interesting to see what happens with him with the Buccaneers if, if if they make it to the Super Bowl, if they even win a Super Bowl, does, it, does he stay? Or it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how that situation turns out. So, for you, I just wanted to ask the question. As I mentioned, with how consistent he is, um, five wide receiver one finishes out of the seven years in the NFL. And 
I just don't get why is he why is he not ranked as a wide receiver one, Kevin, in most rankings. I'm seeing him as usually around wide receiver eighteen to twenty one that area. Um why did why do you think people don't want to put him in that bracket and whereabouts is it for you in your rankings? I think it's a good question. I, I think for me, I've I've traditionally been a bit higher on Chris Godwin, which mm-hmm. I think just for me personally, when you when you're doing your rankings, it's it's hard to be sort of above consensus on lots of players from the same team, especially yeah. the same position. Like last take for example, last year, if you was high on uh, Adam Thielen, it'd be hard to be high on Stefan Diggs as well, for example. Um, I don't know. I mean, he's, he's very consistent, isn't he, with uh, getting a thousand yards in every season. Uh, but I, I guess it's probably just where he's been finishing the last four seasons, where he's he's finished uh, wide receiver 17, 9, 15 and 11, which is on the cusp of wide receiver one production. But mm-hmm. I think it's it probably gets pushed down because he's 27, um, yeah. which uh, it's not old for a wide receiver by all means, but you do get that narrative that, when they come into 26-27, they, they do get faded. Um, I think as well, in in the type of wide receiver that he is, the size of him, I don't think he'll have a lot, a ton of production going into his 30s, so that'd be something that uh, I'd also consider, the fact that he's a 6'5", 231-pound uh, guy. He's going to struggle, I would I would think, as he, as he gets towards uh, age 30, whereas... Uh, another older guy like uh, a Keenan Allen, for example, who's a bit more slender, uh, he, he's probably got a better uh, longevity in his uh, in his profile. Um, what about you on, on Evans? You sound pretty pretty um, excited for him. Yeah, I just think he's an interesting player. It's quite funny because I don't actually have him in many dynasty leagues. He tends to be more of a player that I gravitate towards it in more redraft rather than dynasty. And maybe that's because he is undervalued. And I always think every year when you if you can get him at around that 18 to 20 mark in wide receivers, I think it becomes a, a brilliant value per year. But as you say, it's all with the, like, the longevity and it is a risk. I just think because of his consistency, I think he is underrated. And for me personally, I'm probably going to look to maybe grab him in a few more leagues in, in Dynasty. The, the obvious one big issue is at quarterback with Brady. We, we don't know how long Brady's going to be the quarterback for. Obviously, the season before, we had James Winston who... It was just fantasy goal basically, weren't it, for, for wide receivers. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out next year. But I, I have been impressed with how he's finished this season. His targets have, have, all, have been increasing, as I say, and he's becoming one of Brady's top targets. So, for that reason, and obviously the fact that Antonio Brown as well, we don't know how long Brown's going to be around um, after this season. I think he's in a position where kind of at least a few more seasons have been um, one of the top guys. And as I say, if Godwin does leave, then he truly is going to be the, the alpha on this team. So, yeah, it's all going to. It's, I think it's all going to depend how the off-season plays out for me. Yeah, I, th- I think if if Godwin does leave, it's it's pretty much guaranteed that Mike Evans is a wide receiver one. Yeah, for sure. So we'll move on then. And the next game was the 49ers at the Cardinals. Yeah, so uh, the 49ers won this one on the road against the Cardinals, twenty to twelve. Um, they shut down the elite pair of Kyler Murray and uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Um, but one, one guy the Cardinals couldn't shut down was the uh, 49ers running back Jeff Wilson who had himself a career day he had over 200 yards from scrimmage and a touchdown and this resulted in 27.4 fantasy points it's actually the third 20 uh, point game of the season for him uh, where he's, he's really been flashing when he's uh, been given the opportunity the workload 
Now, his backfield competition is Raheem Mostert, McKinnon and Coleman, all of whom are out of contract uh, or can be released in 2021. Um, but Wilson himself is also out of contract as a former exclusive rights free agent, making this a really muddy and fluid backfield, which is the norm under Kyle Shanahan. So the question is, will, will, will Wilson be back? And if so, what sort of role will he have for the 49ers in 2021? Um, for me personally, I think he, he might come back. You know, I think he, he might go back to the 49ers. Um, but if he does, I can only see it being in more of a backup role and more as a kind of a bruiser for, for the 49ers. He has looked good, as you say, when he's been given the opportunity. Um, but in fairness, I think most running backs do, don't they, in this in this Shanahan yeah. offence? There's been offence that's just brilliant for running backs. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think he hangs around. Whether it's going to be a role that's going to give you a Plenty of fantasy points. I'm not too sure. For me personally, I'm praying that they uh, they draft Travis Etienne. I think that's yeah. that's the one that I would absolutely fall in love with. If, if Etienne fell on this offense, I think with, with his skill set, it could be unreal seeing him uh, on a team like this. So for me personally, that's what I'm hoping happens. Uh, sorry if there's any Jeff Wilson movies out there, <laughs> but that's that's the one that I'm uh, I'm pushing my chips in and hoping that one happens. But yeah, what about yourself, Kev? What do you think about Wilson? I think that that situation is fantastic for him. Uh, he's fantastic for loads of running backs. Uh, yeah. th- think back to a guy like Matt Breed, who looked really good mm-hmm. in that system. You take him out of that system, and he looks uh, a below average running back in the NFL. So I think if Wilson did move on, he's not someone I'd be interested in. I see him as someone that will probably be re-signed for the 49ers, but yeah. he's not someone I'd be looking to go and acquire. I think he's more of a hold if you've got him or even potentially sell him uh, or, or put him into a trade as a as a piece to uh, to try and uh, get something better. He's, he's 25, he'll be 26 next season, so uh, not done a ton in the uh, in his early career, but I, I do think he has flashman given the opportunity, but that's probably more down to the role and the system than the underlying talent. Yeah, I think you're probably going to have a good chance to sell him, I think, because... Obviously, as you mentioned, with the the running backs, they've had loads of injuries as well. So he's got a chance to have a good finish to the season, and that's what's going to stick in people's minds when it comes to the off season. They're going to see that his his stats over the last three games. Are, I'm assuming they're going to be impressive. Obviously, they've got the the Seahawks this week, so he could put up another good performance this week. So yeah, that would be something that I'd use if I was trying to move him on. Just there's going to be a recency bias, and maybe before the news breaks that they're going to be targeting a, a running back in the draft. Um, you want to be looking to move him on. But yeah, I think it's going to be a window, a small window to sell him. And for me, I'd probably just get what I can if there's somebody thinking that he could maybe carry on this kind of performance into next year. Yeah, if you've got a 49ers fan in your league, go speak to him. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So next up then, it was the Dolphins at the Raiders. Quite a close fixture for this one for the Dolphins, but a really thrilling end to the game. Fourth quarter was crazy. There was about four players where he could have said that was the game-winning play, but in the end, it was the Dolphins that took it. And overall, it was a great performance by the running back, Miles Gaskin, uh, on his return from injury. 14 carries for 87 yards, and then he had five receptions for 82 yards and two touchdowns. So a great game for Gaskins. Probably could have won you a ship, um, and his performance, he finishes the running back two on the week. So, fantastic performance. And if you add him on your roster, then, yeah, he's, he's done great things for you. And as most likely as a, a waiver pickup, it wouldn't surprise me if you've grabbed him off waves at the start of the year and been a really solid uh, fantasy running back. He's been averaging 16.3 fantasy points per game in the nine games that he has played. And he's consistently been used as the, the workhorse in this backfield. Um, 
when he is on the field. He's had little competition behind him. Obviously, Salvan Ahmed looked pretty good when he had the chance. But in this game, he was more of an afterthought. He had seven touches and just turned that into three measly yards. So, complete Gaskin showing this one. So, I was just interested to see what your opinion on Gaskin was, Kev. Um, we've spoken about the Dolphins potentially drafting a running back in this upcoming draft. But if they don't, how high do you think that Gaskin could go in in drafts next season? So is this is this for dynasty drafts or is it just for twenty twenty one? Is it? We'll take it however you want. Uh, what do you think dynasty? What do you think his long term value is? I think if they don't draft a running back, I'd be I'd have him higher in redraft than dynasty, um, yeah. just because I think uh, with, with him being a seventh round draft pick, mm-hmm. there's always that fear that if they don't perform, they will lose the job. I think it's been. Yeah questions that have been thrown at a guy like Chris Carson throughout his career and he, even though he has been fantastic and he has seemed to 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 keep performing through all these questions it's something that's definitely going to come up especially if he doesn't perform thinking like um, James Robinson potentially in a similar boat yeah. uh, but, but Gaskin he was a really he's been a really great great player this season uh, unexpectedly performing outstanding he's he's actually the RB11 in fancy points the game so um, how high will they go in drafts next season if they don't I'd probably say he'd be a top 20 running back um, mm-hmm. if, if nobody is signed so that would probably put him in like round 3 or 4 I guess in your dynasty startups yeah um, I don't know if I'd take the plunge there just based on uh, I'm big I'm big on draft capital I'm a draft capital yeah, yeah. nerd as such so <laughs> Um, I'd be more comfortable in a redraft league, but I, I do think he's an interesting guy. If you've got him, if you can move off him at a value, you'd do it. And if uh, if you haven't got him, I, I wouldn't be going wild to go after him. Yeah, I'm the same. I think when it comes, obviously, as you said, with the draft capital, it just becomes running backs already a really volatile position as it is. But when you've got a player that's not really got that draft capital attached to him, it can easily just vanish off the face of the earth, basically. So, yeah, with Gaskin, he is a, a very risky option to, to target. But is this all just then, is this just wishful speaking? Do we think that the Dolphins are going to grab a running back in this draft? They've got four picks, obviously, bearing in mind in the first two rounds. Are they going to use one of them picks, do you think, for a running back? It's interesting because they definitely need wide receiver help. And I think yeah. I think they've, they've currently got the pick three in the draft, mm-hmm. which... I think it's a little bit too high on a guy like Jamar Chase. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there if they if they can trade down or if they do take a wide receiver or another position. Um, I think top of the second round is is where they do it. A, a guy like uh, Najee Harris or uh, Travis Etienne would make sense mm-hmm. there. But I guess at this stage, we don't know where the running back's going to go. I've not dug, dug yeah. too deep into uh, college prospecting, but I think... I think if, if they end up taking a guy in, say, round three or four, I, I'd still be pretty happy with Gaskin uh, being part of a, a committee and he's shown he's a free down back. So um, if they do decide to go with a tandem, him and someone else, he's going to have a role, uh, whether it be a nearly down back or a pass catcher. Yeah, I'm interested to see how it plays out because... I think that they, they tend to look to want a, a workhorse rather than a committee, which is obviously quite interesting when it comes to fantasy because that's what that's like the, the, the gold coin that we all want it when it comes to the running backs, like having that workload. And even this week, I thought Ahmed were going to come in and, and they were going to use him alongside Gaskin, but 
just saying, as I say, it was just a Gaskin show. So that is something to, to monitor if, if they do draft a running back. Are they going to give that guy the, the full workhorse role or are they going to keep Gaskin? Or it's, it's really interesting. To be honest, the Dolphins as a whole is a really interesting franchise for me going into, into this upcoming draft. Yeah, it's a, it's a franchise that's on the rise and this yeah, offense sure. is on the rise as well. So it's it definitely is interesting. I think, I know I've made a few comparisons to Gaskin there with talking about James Robinson, but mm-hmm. I see it as a little bit of a similar situation to Ronald Jones this time last year where he had yeah. the role and you thought that they would get someone. Mm-hmm. But then for most of the off-season, the, 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 yeah, they had a key shot involved, but he was a third-rounder. It looks like... Ronald Jones was going to be the man, so um, it, it could be dangerous to go after Gaskin because they might pick up someone, but if they don't, he's going to uh, have a bigger value after the draft than, than now. Yeah, I'm just laughing because I can't, it only took four games, Kev, for you to, to hey. see Ronald Jones. <laughs> what, <Rojo? laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> already been and gone about the Buccaneers and you still managed to slip him in later on. <laughs> I've just got to find out now where I can get Mario into it. <laughs> they played the Raiders, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> so we'll go on to the next game then, which is the Giants. Oh, the Giants at the Ravens. Yeah, it gives me great pleasure saying that the Ravens comfortably dispatched the Giants 27 <laughs> At least you're not making me talk about them this time. That's the only silver lining in this one. <laughs> very true, very true. Um, and and this, uh, this victory is on the back of 242 rushing yards with 77 of them coming from rookie running back J.K. Dobbins. He also scored a rushing touchdown, which means he's now scored a touchdown in each of the last five games for the Ravens. Uh, he did fail to register a reception once again, and he only has seven catches in the last eight games. Uh, it is the fifth straight game he has hit at least 12 fantasy points, but I do think there is enough to suggest that he's not a bulletproof fantasy prospect and potentially a high-risk asset to have in your dynasty league. So what I want to know from you, Matt, is how worried are you about the touchdown dependency and lack of pass game usage for Dobbins? How far do you think he's behind that? Jonathan Taylor, uh, DeAndre Swift here in Dynasty. Yeah, it's becoming a it's becoming a bit of a concern for me for sure. Um, I know I, I preach it every time I talk about running backs, but I just love running backs that get that pass work and seeing Dobbins not getting it. It's, it's partly frustrating, but what can you do? I mean, it's it's a real concern for me. Um, I'd love to see him more involved in the passing game. I think he can be a very capable pass catcher as well. He's, he's shown it in college that he's... It can, it can be great when he gets the ball in his hands. It's just, do they do, they do it though? That's the, the issue. Um, as far as ranking him uh, and amongst guys like Taylor and Swift, um, it's probably my rookie running back five at the minute. Um, okay. Just behind just behind Gibson for me. So it'd be JT, Swift, uh, Clyde Edwards are there. And then Gibson and um, and Dobbins. So, yeah, I've, I've shoved him down a little bit. I know I did mention earlier on the season that I was excited, obviously, with Lamar Jackson and, and this offense, we know that it's an offense that sets up for plenty of rushing opportunity alongside Jackson, and that is great. But with that, obviously, you've got the risk that Jackson's going to steal a lot of um, a lot of goal line touchdowns. He's going to vulture a lot of touchdowns, um, and I don't think they're going to use one back. If I'm all, if I'm honest, I don't think they're just going to rely on on Dobbins being that that workhorse and, yeah. and getting all the carries. I think they are going to have probably two running backs in the system and and swap between obviously they've shown it this this season with Edwards as well alongside Gibson um, and it's, it's working really well for him so yeah for me that is another concern that I was kind of blind to really at the start of the year I was 
got caught up in that um, in that rookie <laughs> hype and that rookie belief, and I wanted Dobbins just to to get all the carries and and absolutely ball out. But yeah, I've, 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 I think I'm starting to come around now and starting to see sense a little bit with Dobbins. So yeah, I am getting a little a little concerned with Dobbins. <laughs> I, th- I actually think his rookie season's gone better than I thought it would in mm. terms of the usage. I, I thought yeah. that it'd be Ingram and Edwards uh, to start and through the majority of the season, and then they'd uh, they'd get Dobbins in towards the end. But he has he has been used a lot lot more than I, I did expect. I, I guess the the one thing that's that's interesting is when when Mark Ingram was the the workhorse as such, he managed to get. 20, 26 receptions, which it's not massive, but yeah, um, he was getting a lot of receptions near the goal line. He ended up getting five touchdowns, which obviously is an unsustainable number. But um, if if he did get that similar usage to Mark Ingram last season, then I think he, he's, he's a lot more talented than Mark Ingram at this stage in his career. And Ingram was the running back eleven, so I think I still think he's he's a running back one for me in dynasty. But yeah. Um, you do have to temper expectations on the back of the catchers because you you need him to have like a a fourteen hundred yard rushing seasons to be to be in the same ballpark as, as Swift and Taylor. So um, do like Dobbins, but I do think he's a, a lot riskier than uh, a lot of people out there would be uh, ranking him as in that in that top tier of running backs. Yeah, I just think it's strange as well how he actually started the season having a few receptions. You just mentioned about Ingram. He actually had 17 receptions in those first 11 weeks, I believe it was. But then since week 12, he's had one reception. So that's just the thing I don't really understand is why they've they've moved away from giving him that, that volume and that at least letting him get the ball through passing attempts and, and seeing what he can do with it. I, I don't get why it's just gone from, from, even though it was nothing spectacular, nothing major, it's gone from that to, to nothing. And it seems to time with the fact that they're using more running. Um, since he started having that more workload on the ground, he's, he seems to have lost the workload through the air. So, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a strange one. And it's, it's, as I say, it's, I'm, 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 a, I'm a bit gutted about this one, Kevin. It's a bit of a sore <laughs> subject because I did really like Dobbins. And, yeah, until I, until I start seeing him getting uh, some more passes to, to Dobbins, I'm... Yeah, I've, I've dropped him a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and by no means we're not saying that Dobbins is rubbish or that no, no, he's no, no. that he's not going to turn into a, a free down back because yeah. he's a rookie. It's been a strange mm-hmm. off season. There's, I won't be giving up on any rookie really at this stage. No. I think it's been re- really tough for them, but I do think he's rightly ranked as a running back five or six from last year's class based on what he's done, but also what other guys have done and elevated themselves above him. Yeah. Just a quick one, where have you got him in your running back rankings, Kevin, the rookies? Well, Matt, I must say I'm a, I'm, I'm smart like you. I've got him about running back five or six. I oh, think, right. Another, I think, another thing we agree on, Kev. <laughs> well, like I've said, if, when you're this handsome and, uh, and smart, it's, it's, it's tough, isn't it? So, um, yeah, it's, I, I just think that guys like Gibson have, have been fantastic and you can yeah. only really see their role growing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wouldn't have a guy like... Uh, James Robinson personally above him but you've got to think Cam Akers has flashed three down potential as well so I think it's a it's a really close call with Akers and Dobbins for me at this point uh, for that running back five spot um, but yeah he's, he's behind the other guys for me I, I, I'd take uh, Gibson over him Yeah we say it every week I think you can chop and change these running backs as 
but pretty much every game that passes, we, we seem to be shuffling around a little bit. So it'd be nice to have the off season just to to really dig in and, and get some solid rankings for a change. <laughs> and you're just happy if you've got one or two of these. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think they're all going to be great, if I'm honest. <laughs> so we'll move on then to the next game, which was the Bengals at the Texans. Quite a high-scoring game in this one. Obviously, the Bengals taking this 37 to 31. Uh, Bengals quarterback Brandon Allen threw for 371 yards. And that resulted in wide receiver T. Higgins having his best game since Joe Burrow had that, that season-ending injury in Week 12. Um, he had six receptions for 99 yards and one touchdown. And that now puts him as the wide receiver 24 on the year. Um, and he's just 92 yards short of getting that 1,000-yard rookie season, which personally I think he would have easily got that if Burrow didn't get hurt. But it's still going to be great to see him if he, if he can get up or around that 1,000-yard rookie season. I think that's a, a fantastic rookie season to have. Um, and then obviously his role can expand next year with AJ Green. He's looking like he's not going to be sticking around with the Bengals and there's a very high chance that the Green moves on. So he's going to get that role that we all, well, I think he kind of took it as, as the season went on, but that role as yeah. the, the AJ yeah. Green role, I think that's looking like it's going to be his next season. And, and I'm personally really excited. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Higgins moving forward. Um, I think the current consensus ranking is around the wide receiver 16 to 18 for Higgins at the moment. Um, but how close is it for you um, amongst these current rookie wide receivers and that top tier of, of say, Jefferson and Lamb? How close is it to those guys? And, and can it be a, a top 12 dynasty wide receiver as soon as next year for you? I think he has to be in that conversation with both Jefferson and Lamb. I think yeah. he deserves to be in that tier. Um, I, I don't know the exact numbers, but it feels like he doesn't get the volume of those two um, of those two wide receivers. And you've got to think in, in the offense, he, he's got it really nice because uh, AJ Green's dust. Uh, Tyler Boyd's a nice complimentary piece. It's a team that for, for the foreseeable is going to be uh, passing a lot. So you would expect his volume to naturally go up. Um, I think it, wide receiver 16 is probably a little bit too low for me. I'd probably have the guys, uh, the guys like Lamb and Jefferson a bit closer to that that mark. I, I, um, it's a little bit too early for me to be putting them as a top four or five wide receiver, personally. I think yeah. sort of that mid-wide receiver one to the mid-wide receiver two, all three of them should be somewhere in that range. But I I personally prefer to go out and get a Teagans uh, at his cost than a CD Lamb at his cost. Yeah, I think I agree with you. Um, as I say, I'm a, I'm a massive T. Evans fan. It's funny because I wasn't amazingly high him when after the draft. I, I wasn't overly keen on this offense. Um, I was still still concerned. Obviously, it was great seeing Burrow come, but I was like, okay, we both weren't mega high on Burrow. I think we both had two above Burrow. So for that reason, I wasn't super high on Higgins. But basically, from about week two, I think I've, I just fell in love with him. I, the role that the role that he had and just how good he looked. He just he just looked like an alpha already, even in his rookie season. So, yeah, I'm, I'm super high on Higgins. I, I think he, he could naturally just become the next AJ Green. I think he's that good. And I think he could get that kind of that kind of volume that Green got um, in his prime. And, yeah, I think the sky's the limit for Higgins for me. And it, it's amazing how nobody talks about Higgins yeah. uh, compared to these two. I, I don't think there's... There's a lot of difference in them. He's he's a wide receiver too on the season. He's he's been playing with guys like Ryan Finley and Brandon Allen, who are uh, the, the the career backup type quarterbacks. So um, 
I know you could mention a guy like Andy Dalton being a backup, but he's still someone that's been a franchise QB for years yeah. in the league. Uh, and, and Kirk Cousins, I think, is someone that's way better than Finley and, and Allen. Oh, yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. Um, his situation's going to, improve, going to improve again. So I'd, yeah. be, uh, I'd, be, I'd be definitely interested in him at that cost. Yeah, you've probably, you've probably got a bit of a, a buy-low window at the minute with, um, obviously, with Burrow not playing it. It's probably they knocked down his what his figures could have been. It's they've all took a knock, and his fantasy points have took a knock. And at the same time, so yeah, I think there's definitely been a bit of a window open up. And as you say, I'm I'm surprised he's not being mentioned as much with the uh, Jefferson and Lamb. So yeah, I think it's going to be a great time to to grab him this off season. Yeah, give me all the Higgins despite his quarterback being in his thirties. <laughs> So we'll move on then to the next game, which was the Bears at the Jags. <laughs> yeah, so the Bears scored 30 points for the fourth straight game as they beat the Jags 41-17. Uh, the Jags don't care, though, as they're now in poor position to draft generational QB Trevor Lawrence. Uh, and his alpha wide receiver is looking likely to be DJ Chark. He had a nice day in a tough matchup. He, he made an acrobatic touchdown grab and uh, 16.2 fancy points on the day. He's only 24, which is still really young. And the news that he's tied to Trevor Lawrence, uh, potentially, has got the fancy community going wild for him. Uh, however, I do think he's at this point in 2020 season. He's currently the wide receiver 43. Uh, he's the wide receiver 36 in targets, which both of those are not exactly what I'd consider alpha numbers. Uh, but the fantasy community is running to the hills to declare him a bye uh, and that um, he, his value is going to soar he, but I think what, what I believe is that he's overrated on the back of a volume based season in 2019 where he showed his inefficiency he must have been mm-hmm. round about a 50% mark on his on his catches so I think he should be called DJ Chatbait um, just because he's someone I think you can catch a big fish in your, in your dynasty league with on the back of this insane hype surrounding Trevor Lawrence so as you can probably tell, I'm I'm low on DJ Shark. Uh, I think he's a big sell high in Dynasty. Where are you on him? Yeah, before I start, I'll just say that's actually your first good pun I think you've ever had, Kev. DJ Shark. Yeah, I, I like that one. Yeah, <laughs> DJ Shark. As well, even backed it up with a bit of a bit of the backstory. I like just, that one. <laughs> just flowing, wasn't it? Flowing like the ocean. <laughs> yeah, so I did make a little note here on DJ Shark, and I just put a bit of a meh player. He's not somebody that I'm, I'm high on. I'm definitely not as high as some people when it comes to chart. And yeah, as you say, I think he's becoming a bit of a, a sell high with all this talk about Trevor Lawrence, obviously, is going to be the quarterback with issue uh, next season. And in the same way that it was happening with Jets players, now it's all moved to the Jags players. But if I am going to go for one of these players that I think is going to get a bump from getting Lawrence, I think I'd rather be grabbing someone like Chanel, who's going to be cheaper. And I think he's... The talent-wise, I think he's more talented than Chark. So, yeah. for me, yeah, I'm going to lean more towards someone like Chanel rather than Chark. Chark's really just, he's shown flashes, hasn't he? Obviously, even this week with that touchdown catch, it was like a brilliant catch. But when you look at his stats, it's just up and down. One week, he can be having a, a really solid day. But then the next week, he's just getting four catches for 40 yards. So, yeah, he's, he's really volatile player. You could say that when he gets an improved quarterback, you think those numbers are going to increase. But... I don't think his volume's going to necessarily increase that much more. Maybe his quality of passes are going to increase more. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan of Chark. And, and as I say, I'm, I'm going to go more towards somebody like Chanel about yourself. 
Yeah, I think it's it's just really disappointing for me how last season he was a wide receiver 17 on only 15 games and it, it really looked like um, he, he turned the corner after a disappointing rookie season where he barely got anything. But then for him to regress to sort of wide receiver 30-40 range, it's, it's really disappointing, especially considering that the Jags are playing from behind in pretty much every game. Yeah. Um, but it, it seems like they've... It, I mean... <laughs> He, he's inefficient, but he's not exactly getting like 150 targets. So it's it's just not a good recipe. I, I think you can say that he has played with a few different QBs, but I just think if if you are an alpha wide receiver, if you are a guy that's the, the best wide receiver on your team, you get the targets no matter who your quarterback is. Especially when you consider guys like Keelan Cole, uh, Chris Conley, and a, a rookie in Chanel as as your competition. No offence to them guys, but they're not the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's potential with Chanel, I agree, and he'd be the he'd be the guy I'd be looking to go for. But, yeah, Shaq, Shaq's really, and he's, he's going to be in his uh, final year of his rookie deal next season. Uh, what, what's to say the Jags, uh, with, with Tre- Trevor Lawrence, who's to say that Trevor uh, wants him to be the alpha? It might be, he might have a better connection with Chanel. Yeah, and I think it's worth noting. I think the Jags actually have a, two picks, don't they, in the first round? So yeah, I think they've got a, a late pick from a, another team. I can't quite remember off the top of my head which team it is, but I know it's a late pick. So yeah, I think th- there's definitely a chance that they could maybe go after a, a wide receiver um, in the draft potentially, and, and back it up with uh, obviously Chanel and Chark there. Um, so yeah, overall, I think I'm, I'm not super high on Chark and. If, if I've got the opportunity, as you say, to, to use him as bait and, and move on to a, another player, I'm doing it, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think I think the pick is, I can't remember which team it is, but I believe it's like the, the either late teens or the early 20s, which yeah. there's still going to be some absolute quality wide receivers on the board at that stage. So, um, yeah, who, who knows where they'll go. Yeah, another interesting team to keep an eye on in this draft, for sure. So we'll move on then to the next game, which was the Falcons at the Chiefs. Uh, much closer game, this one that I think a lot of people anticipated. Uh, the Chiefs just about nicked it, but the Falcons put up a great fight and a real close game, uh, this one. Uh, no Chief player really stood out in, in terms of fantasy, apart from Travis Kelsey, obviously, putting another dominant performance. It's just become a regular thing now, isn't it, with, uh, with Travis Kelsey? But yeah. the one big disappointment that I, I thought would highlight uh, this week was Le'Veon Bell, um, obviously a guy that, We've not really spoke about much this season, but we know with the Clyde Edwards Lair injury, many people thought he was going to see an increase in, in workload this week. But all they got was seven carries for 30 yards and, and then one reception for nine yards. So even when he only had Darrell Williams to, to compete against touches, he's still not really seen many touches this week. Um, and to be honest, that's been the same story all season, hasn't it? He's 82 carries for 328 yards. It's just it's just nothing, basically. Is is the, the running back 59, so... As I say, not even really a fantasy-relevant player anymore, is he, uh, this season? Um, and he will be 29 years old next season. I mean, he's obviously going to be a free agent next season. So I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Bell. So I was just wondering what, what your opinion on Bell was, Kevin. Where do you think he ends up next season? And are his days of being a fantasy-relevant running back over now? Yeah, I think I think they went as soon as he left Pittsburgh. Um, I, I mean, looking back to when he was running back, one, two, and three in his in in three seasons in Pittsburgh. It, it just shows that um, that it it was a lot to do with the system and the O line they had at the time and the personnel. I, I mean, even 
even a bum like James Connor had a, a, I think it was a top six running back season behind that that offensive line and that that scheme. So I think for me, he's the definition of someone that's that's over the hill, that's uh, done well in the perfect system. But I just think twenty nine year old running back, yeah, he does catch passes here and there. He he can be a goal line back as well, which is nice. Uh, but um, I can't see him getting a starting gig and I can't see him being fantasy relevant even if he does become a league guy if there's an injury for example Yeah I'm the same as you to be honest I think with Bell um, are you saying that Bell's not talented then Kev by just saying he's, he's a system running back is that what you're trying to say? I mean what, what, <laughs> I think you'll get some uh, you'll get some stern words from some listeners about that one Kev I think <laughs> I just I just think most running backs are system running backs to be fair um, I mean just look at what Pittsburgh did over the years with uh, like D'Angelo Williams came in and he was a running back one. Bell was a running back one. And then James Conner came in and he was a running back one when it was all going well. And then if, if we just use Pittsburgh as an example, that that offensive line and, and running scheme sort of took a step back. And it's it's shown a guy like Conner that he's, he's nothing special. And I, I just feel that Bell was behind one of the best offensive lines in the league for several years and he, he shined. Yeah. And then he's he's gone to a team like the Jets and he's, he's caught an absolute ton of passes, uh, which put him as a RB2 last season. Yeah. But he, he, were, he were just terrible on the ground, which mm-hmm. I, I do think running backs tend to be system running backs. Um, yeah. And I think it, it's... I just think it's really hard for a running back to overcome being in a bad situation or uh, a, a bad scheme. Just thinking like... Uh, Darrell Henderson last season, for example, he, he everyone had counted him out, and then that 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 scheme gets better, and he gets better as well. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think that's why when it when it comes to these like rookie drafts, it's it's when it comes to running back, it's all about the, the teams they land on. That's the, the play we all tend to to gravitate towards. And as you say, it's because when they land on these these good systems and behind these good offensive lines, that's when they can really really put up great fantasy numbers. Um, but yeah, just swinging it back to Bell. Um, yeah, I, I think he's going to really struggle to get another team. I, I tried to think of a team that he could go to, and honestly, I can't really think of any. Um, like you say, with these rookie running backs that come in this this season, they're all looking brilliant. I don't think there's any really that, that it says being a bust. Um, and the, as we've said, they've, they've had short off seasons and everything, so all these rookies are looking great. Um, there's still plenty of younger running backs from a couple of years before as well that have looked good. So, yeah, I think running back, Positions are short to come by for players like like someone like Le'Veon Bell. So, yeah, sad to say, I think there might be no more Bell from now on. Yeah, I think just thinking about like sort of landing spots you get as a, as a like an NFL owner, a franchise owner, I'd prefer to take a punt on a guy that'll be a free agent like uh, Leonard Fournette than a uh, Lev Bell, just because you're probably going to get them at the same price, maybe even Fournette a bit cheaper based on yeah, probably. name value and. You, you know that Fournette, yeah, he's, he's, he's been a volume sort of guy where he's had to have 90% to sort of stand out and be be anything decent. But you'd rather take a punt on that guy than someone who's 29 years old. So I would say we can start calling him Le'Veon Bellend. So next up, we have the Browns at the Jets. Yeah, this were a shocker from Browns, wasn't it? Uh, they were beaten 23-16 to 16 by the Jets. Uh, I mean, they did lose all the key wide receivers due to the COVID protocols, but 
I still felt they had enough to, to dust these lowly jets, but <laughs> I think it was a really poor performance from Baker Mayfield on the day. Um, I don't think the play calling helped. Um, he was short-handed, but this is the fifth time this season he's gone under 10 fancy points. Uh, it was a back-to-earth moment for Baker, who was the QB3 over the last month prior to this performance, so a bit of a shock. Um, he's currently the QB19 on the season, which I, I, it feels like it's a bounce back from a disappointing sophomore season where he finished as the QB25 in fantasy points per game. And he's now in line to finish in that QB16 to 19 range in each of his three seasons in the NFL. Now, I've seen him ranked all over the place as a QB2 in Dynasty. Um, but do you think he's a, a high, mid or low QB2? So just, just, just to clarify, that's between QB 13 to 24. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably kind of with the, the consensus that you just mentioned. I'm, I've got him more like a, a mid-quarterback too, so around that 16 to 19 that, that you mentioned. Um, it's probably where I'd have him. Uh, we know that Stefanski is a run offense, isn't he? He's gonna, yeah. gonna, they're going to use, use the running backs um, plenty. And for that reason, that, that caps Baker. And obviously as well, the, the defence is improving uh, each year. They, they seem to be getting better, obviously, when they've got uh, Miles Garrett as well, who's just dominant. Um, I think that caps his, uh, his upside as well. So for that reason, that's probably why I'm a bit lower on him. You're never really going to have those games where he's going to have to to sling it a lot and try and keep him in the game. Um, yeah, it's just just a mid-QB2 for me. And, and it's a shame because I was actually quite high on him when he, when he come in and... Obviously, that rookie year, he looks brilliant. And then, as you say, he had that, he had that poor second year. And he's, he has bounced back this year. But overall, it's, it's, it's not been what anybody paid for him, basically, should we say. Yeah. When after that rookie season, a lot of people, I know a lot of people, basically broke the bank to get him. And it's kind of backfired. What about yourself, Kev? What, what do you think about Baker Mayfield? Yeah, I, I must admit, I did buy into that hype after his rookie season. Mm-hmm. I had him... I had him ranked really. I think he was in my top five for a bit, which looks like yeah, an absolute me. absolute mistake. But <laughs> um, I, I think it's a really boring comparison. But I think uh, Kirk Cousins, it when when Stefanski was with the the Vikings, yeah. that that's the sort of ceiling I see for Baker in that low QB one if he, on a on any given season. Yeah. So I guess it depends what you like as an owner. Do you want him to be potentially in that low QB1 to low QB2 range or do you want a guy that's potentially going to be uh, a lot more than that? Um, I just think that the fact that he's not a rushing quarterback as well does hurt him. He's going to have to be either super efficient or throw uh, throw a a ton of touchdowns on this offense uh, with it being a run-heavy offense to to be anything more than a mid QB2 in, uh, in, in Dynasty. But yeah. I think the, the positive thing he's got going from is that he, he he does seem to be the the franchise QB for the Browns, yeah. and I think they have made some nice moves uh, last season, solidifying the O line. That was a big big deal for him. I think it, it just reminds me a little bit of Drew Brees in the sense of uh, as a player where if you've got a good O line, he's that's where you're going to see him shine. And I, I think he could actually be more than his sort of game manager tag for the Browns, but. With this regime, this this uh, new offense, uh, it's going to be a, a run run first offense where um, you're not going to see him as a, a QB one consistently, in, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I think um, 
in Superflex, I think he is a pretty good quarterback to have as, as, as your QB too, just somebody that's safe. He does have those occasional bad games, but on the whole, I think he's quite a, a safe quarterback, as, as you mentioned. Um, if you have him and, and then back him up with a more of a quarterback that can put up those big numbers, that's probably something I'd be fine with. And as I say, I do think he, he is the franchise quarterback, so he's probably got that bit of uh, job security as well, which is is key at the moment anyway with the quarterback situation that could be a huge change in quarterback this off season. So I think he is quite a good player to have it in your super flex leagues just as, as your QB too. And I'm I'm probably being a bit harsh on him just because I had him ranked so high and then he <laughs> let me down. But I, I think as well he did have them two games in the middle of the season where he played the Texans and the Eagles at home where it was like absolute ridiculous weather conditions where yeah. he put up five points in both of them games. So I'm probably being a little bit too harsh on him um, if I'm <laughs> if I'm being honest. <laughs> yeah, and he, he has had a couple of 30-point games, a 29-point game. So yeah, sure, that he can put up those good numbers as well. So yeah, I just think he's, he's more of a safe quarterback and you always need quarterbacks like that, especially in two flex leagues. Yeah, he's turned out to be a, a reliable QB too. Yeah, yeah, with a bit of security, so... Yeah, nice player to target, I think. Um, so we'll go on to the next game then, which was the Colts at the Steelers. Great comeback for the Steelers in this one, even though they was down 24-7 to early in that third quarter. One of the key players in the, in the comeback was Deontay Johnson, who, who caught that touchdown pass that really started the comeback. And he finished the game with 18 receptions, 75 yards and one touchdown. He's the wide receiver 20, despite missing pretty much three games due to injury. And he's become one of Big Ben's top targets. He's averaging 11 targets per game, he ranked sixth in targets in the NFL with 140. And again, as we mentioned with a couple of wide receivers earlier on, he's in a really interesting situation when it comes to, to fellow wide receivers. Obviously, Juju Smith-Schuster, he becomes a free agent in this offseason, so it'll be interesting to see if he sticks around in uh, with the Steelers or if he does move on. And if he does move on, then I think an opportunity could open up for Johnson. Um, if there is any kind of discount on Johnson, obviously there's quarterback situation talk with Ben's he's struggled the last couple of weeks um, I've heard talks Claypool's going to be the alpha in this in this offence people are really pinning all the, the, the hopes onto um, Claypool and I think he's going to be the guy so yeah I'm buying if I can get any kind of discount on Johnson um, how much would you pay in 2021 picks for, for Johnson Kev I know you're a big fan yeah I, I just think first of all I mean the QB situation for me it's it doesn't really matter for me who the QB is because yeah. he's got such a low uh, average depth of target that he's, I mean, he's getting these high percentage passes where it's giving him an opportunity to get the ball in his hands and he was a bit of magic. We saw last season he was really effective punt returner, which translates well to that sort of uh, prototype. Um, I think Claypool being the alpha, if, if you can sell that narrative to mm-hmm. the Johnson owner, absolutely be all over that because I think Claypool's a nice player but uh, he's he's not the alpha yet is he I think um, he, he's really benefiting for both Deontay Johnson and Juju there um, he's getting a lot of one-on-ones which he's a physical specimen um, so I just think in terms of draft picks if you're just looking for one single draft pick I would say you'd, you'd give up the a mid first a 106 or 107 type yeah. guy which uh, that that pretty much puts Johnson above 
maybe all but one or two of the rookie wide receivers. I, I just feel that even though a guy like a Jamar Chase or um, uh, Devonta Smith might have a, a bigger upside potentially, Deontay Johnson's got a massive upside and he's already hit in the NFL. So I'd be more than happy to, to give a, a 106, 105 type pick for for um, for Deontay Johnson. I think if it was a cup like just a random pick, it'd just be like a late first and a late second, something like that. Yeah. Um, I'd give up as well. So um, really, really big on Johnson. I think I've, I saw on Twitter there was a guy that had him ranked outside his top 50 wide receivers in Dynasty, which um, it, it's, wow. it's, it's laughable that he gets hammered for his drops. Um, yeah. for, for me, I just think wide receivers have drops. It's, mm-hmm. it's not a big issue. It's, it, getting a target is a skill. Uh, yeah. you, you earn targets. I think it's a, it. a sign of um, talent. So I wouldn't be worrying about the drops. Do, do you factor in drops when you're looking at wide receiver prospects? Not as a not as a big concern now. I'm like you. If he's getting targets, he's obviously doing something right. And to be getting to be getting those targets, he's obviously he's got trust in in Big Ben for these targets. So no, it, it, it don't concern me. It's not a big concern at all. And um, I think I'm like you when it comes to rookie picks. I'm probably a bit more risk averse. And when you've got somebody like Johnson that, that he's proved what he can do, we, we know what he is, and and there's even room to to improve on that. When you have that, and, and as much as I do love some of these wide receivers that, that are going to be coming into the the NFL draft this this year, um, yeah. When I can see somebody like Johnson and I can see what he can do, and it's proven that he can be a, a really top notch uh, wide receiver in the NFL, yeah. I'm I'm happy to, to call me play, playing it safe or whatever. <laughs> I'm happy to do that. I'm happy to to be risk averse and, and just give me that player I know that can be well, it can potentially be a wide receiver one quite easily. Yeah, I think with Johnson as well that. You made a great point on Juju potentially leaving. He's he's just got that clear pathway to. Yeah. Uh, in in a worst case, he's going to see his volume go up a little bit. I'd feel so. Uh, yeah. Currently, a top twenty wide receiver, but um, he, he's missed games, three games due to injury, like you said, and mm-hmm. um, he's got to be in it. For me personally, I think he's in your top sixteen in Dynasty. Yeah, yeah I won't I won't argue against it at all. So we'll move on then and we'll go to the Broncos at the Chargers. Yeah, so the Chargers win their third straight game by a field goal, which is remarkable for them. They usually lose these close ones. Uh, they beat the Broncos 19-16. Um, it's a game which saw former Oregon uh, Oregon QB Justin Herbert, which is the same school as Mariota, uh, break the <laughs> NFL record for rookie <laughs> passing touchdowns. Um, not a huge amount of fancy production in this one, though. But the the guy that stood out for me was Broncos tight end Noah Fant. Um, like I said, it's not a massive fancy day uh, for Fant, but uh, 12, 12 and a half fancy points. Uh, finished his he's finishing his second season pretty strong, despite being tied to the awful Drew Lock. Um, he's currently the tight end eleven on the season, but he does seem to get forgotten about due to him coming out in the same class as T.J. Hawkinson, who's been fantastic this year. It does seem certain that the Broncos will get a significant upgrade at quarterback in the off-season, but I do think the flip to that is there's a worry about the volume with Cotton Sutton coming back from injury and also youngsters like Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler, their role is likely to improve in the offence as well. So it is a lot to consider for fans, but 
do you think 2021 will be the year he makes the leap and therefore making him a dynasty buy? Yeah, for me personally, I'm I'm quite high on fan. I've got him as my tight end six, so he's just outside that. Oof. That, yeah, that core top five. Obviously, it's a like Kelsey, Kittle, Hawkinson, Waller, and, and Andrews. He's right outside that for me. Um, when he came in, I had him right alongside Hawkinson. Potentially, I had him higher than Hawkinson, but obviously, Hawkinson's looked great when he when he's played, and and now I've got to put Hawkinson right up there um, above him. But yeah, I'm a big fan of fan. Um, obviously, we know he's a really athletic tight end and when he's on the field he does look good he, he's tied eighth in targets with 87 as well so he's he's getting a, quite a nice volume as regards to tight ends we know what a mess the position is so just to have a player that's that's looked solid when it when he's on the field and, and he's getting those targets it's something that you you really need to hone in on and, and try and go after in your fantasy leagues um so he's averaging just under seven targets per game which as i say it's when it comes to tight ends that's something they'd have really outside of it yeah you'd say five or six tight ends so for that reason that's why I'm, I'm quite high on fan as you mentioned obviously it'd be interesting to see what happens when Sutton comes back next year um, but I think any decrease in volume due to Sutton it's probably going to increase with a, a better quarterback play next year so for that reason yeah I'm, I'm still in on fan and I definitely think he can break out next year what about yourself yeah, I mean, just the fact he's a, he's a 23-year-old tight end that's had 98 catches in the NFL so far and got to think tight end is a position that it, it generally takes uh, the most amount of time to adjust to and actually um, stand out and, and really break out as a, as a fantasy prospect. So I think he's done it from a young age. He, he's going to be 24 next season and he'll have had probably over 100 catches in the NFL. So it's, I think... This time next year, you won't be able to get him for the same price. So I, I do tend to agree that he's on the cusp of making that jump into that top five you mentioned. Um, I will throw a question back at you with regards to Fan, and uh, I'm going to bring in uh, Kyle Pitts as a, a prospect coming in this year. Um, I know some guys have been uh, been touting him pretty high uh, in the dynasty rankings. Uh, no names mentioned, but. <laughs> um, I, I just wondered if he was doing, let's say, I don't know, some sort of start-up in the off-season. Mm-hmm. Who would you take, Noah Fan or Kyle Pitts? It's an interesting one. It, it all boils down, I guess, doesn't it, to, to landing spots. It's a bit like I mentioned earlier about running backs and, and landing in that situation. I think it's the same with tight ends. If you land in that, that situation where you're, you're on an offence that really utilises the tight ends, then, God... Pitts could be it could be anything. It could could yeah, it could be the tight end one in no time with with how good he is. Um I'm not gonna claim to be some some expert on, on these college players like some people I'm, I'm by no means a, a film expert. But from what I've seen personally and um, for how dominant he's looked, he looks unreal. So yeah, if he landed in that in a nice spot, um somebody like I don't know, the Patriots obviously one that everyone I think is gonna mention with tight ends. Um but yeah, and it, basically any situation where they're going to really utilise that tight end, and yeah, I'm probably going to take Pitts, but I, I, that, by no means does that mean that I'm not a fan of Noah fan. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go fan then, just based on <laughs> he, he's in the NFL and he's hit, and uh, I think taking rookie tight ends, it, it tends to be one where you've got a bit of a holding, holding cost, a bit of an opportunity yeah. cost to hold them, so I'll take yeah, fan think- over Pitts. I think a good strategy, if you even if you are high on pits, I think as you say, with that, how it takes a while for him to to adjust to the NFL, you could probably 
avoid drafting him in your rookie drafts and then when his value, I'm going to assume, takes a little drop uh, throughout the year. If he, if he doesn't explode onto the scene, then that's your time to target someone like that. I do sound like a bit of a hypocrite now, I've said. I've just been talking <laughs> about selling my draft picks for, for proven talent and then here I am saying, yep, give me all the pits. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> <laughs> what a hypocrite. <laughs> So we'll move on to the next game then, which was the Panthers at Washington. Um, close victory really for the Panthers, but neither team looked great, did they, on offence. Um, Panthers QB, Teddy Bridgewater, he really struggled in this one, so just thought we'd mention a little bit more about Teddy. Um, threw for just under 200 yards, and he had one touchdown, but he also had one interception, so by no means a, a great game for Teddy. He's been a steady, if, if unspectacular, quarterback this season. He's had no real big blow-up weeks, but on the other hand, he's, he's only had one single-figure fantasy week, so just a, a steady quarterback, or a bit like I mentioned earlier with Baker. Um, currently the quarterback, 17, uh, but only 15 passing touchdowns and, and then nine interceptions, so really struggle with regards to passing touchdowns as well. And personally, I am becoming a big fan of this Panthers offense on the whole, and what Joe Brady and Matt Rule has done with this offense. Um, I think it's definitely a bright times ahead for the Panthers but with that in mind that makes me a little disappointed in what Teddy's done I was a, a fan of Teddy I thought it was going to be a really nice by low piece um, as I say he's looked consistent he's, he's putting up safe numbers but he's, he's not set the world on fire should we say as I say what do you think happens Kev with this Panthers team do you, do you think they draft a quarterback in 2021 and um, they're currently positioned for getting a top 10 draft pick so they're going to end up somewhere around that mark um, if so, is Teddy now a, a sell in your Superflex leagues before the draft kicks off? I mean, first off, I'll say that I'm a big Teddy fan. Um, I, I think he gets a really bad rep, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, just looking at guys that are below him in fantasy points per game, and you've got guys like Joe Burrow, Derek Carr, Jared Goff, Matthew Stafford, Mitch Trubisky... Baker Mayfield, uh, two others. There's, there's loads of guys blowing fancy points per game that seem to have such such a, a glowing uh, a glowing vibe about them in the community. Um, I think the reason he gets such a bad rap is because of all the weapons on the Panthers yeah. and and the fact that he's he, he's a really conservative guy. You mentioned Steady Teddy. Uh, then it's um, that it's exactly what he is. He's going to be a game manager. He's not going to really elevate the talent around him. So. On that basis, I do think the Panthers will draft a QB in 2021. Um, I think he's a perfect bridge QB, is is Teddy. I mean, it's going to be hard to see. It's going to be hard to say who exactly will be the QB drafter, but there's going to be loads of options there for them in their spot. Guys like um, Trey Lance or Zach Wilson. Yeah. Um, that the, they're going to have a pick of maybe one or two really decent prospects for their for their system. Um, and, then, and then to your second question about is he a sell? I don't think he is a sell. I think he's someone that you you're holding, or you could potentially get him as your QB three uh, as as a bit of safety. I think that the the community is really low on him. I think he, all you really want in a superflex league is a, a starter, and I think yeah. he will be the starter for next season. Right. Um, so yeah, for me, I think they will they will get a new QB in the draft, but I wouldn't be selling Teddy just because nobody really likes him. Yeah, Apart from me, <laughs> so I'm like you. I've, I've written my notes that yeah, I think they're going to target a, a tight end, and I, I've put Zach Wilson and Trey Lance just like you mentioned. I think that's 
that spot I mentioned that, that around the top 10, that's that area where those two quarterbacks are going to go for me. So yeah, I agree that it's probably going to be one of those two if, if they do make the move. So you mentioned that you, you wouldn't sell him, but if, if they did get someone like Wilson, then would you, would you just be holding him, assuming he's, that Teddy's going to be the starter to begin the year and then maybe move on from him when he's, when he's playing games? Or do you just think he's, he's going to find another team if, if they do draft somebody like Wilson? Do you think he'll just be another bridge quarterback somewhere else? Yeah, I think that based on what we've seen and what, what he's done over his career now in a few different places, it, it does look like an ideal bridge QB or a really high-end backup in a situation where you've got maybe uh, a volatile starter. Um, yeah. I, I just I just think you're not going to get what you want for him if you're trying to sell him. And I think in Superflex, all you want is a starter. And I, I do believe whoever the drafted QB, he, he will be the starter for at least the first half of next season. I think I'm, I'm in the same boat as you, Kev. Unless Justin Fields drops. Well, <laughs> Jesus, that would be unreal, wouldn't it? <laughs> Justin Fields. <laughs> Just imagine him on that offence. Oh. Be tasty, wouldn't it? Tasty. Hey, we both said tasty, so it must be true. <laughs> so we'll move on then, and I'm sorry to do this to you, Kev, but it was the Eagles at the Cowboys. It was indeed. <laughs> uh, a blowout picture for the Cowboys. They easily beat the Eagles in this one. Um, it was on the back of a big passing day from Andy Dalton, who we got to mention earlier. Uh, the wide receiver that profited the most from a, a consistently poor Eagles secondary was Michael Gallup, who had 30.1 fancy points on the day, his best of 2020. He's now up to the wide receiver 36 on the year, despite losing Dak in week five. Now, I know it's only a small sample uh, with Dak in the lineup, but he did look like the clear wide receiver three in this offense in the early part of the season. Um, he was the wide receiver 22 in 2019 and the wide receiver 17 in fantasy points per game that year. Uh, but that was before they drafted C.D. Lamb. Uh, his, uh, Gallup's contract is up at the end of the season, uh, at the end of next season, sorry, but there, there is also an out on Amari Cooper as well at that point. So, I find it highly unlikely that they keep both um, Cooper, Gallup and C.D. Lamb after the end of next season. I think it'll be a, a battle between keeping Cooper or Gallup. So my question to you, Matt, is with Gallup, do you think he'll be in Dallas beyond 2021? And will he ever be a wide receiver too in fantasy ever again? I'm quite a big fan of Gallup. Um I was really high on him last season, so it was great, obviously, when he had that, that really good um, season last year. I hoped that he were going to take that wide receiver one position from Amari Cooper. I'm, I'm not being a guy that's ever been super high on Cooper. Um, no denying that he's a brilliant wide receiver, obviously a great route runner. But, um, yeah, I, I really hope that Gallup would take that role. Um, and arguably, it was it was like a 1A and 1B last year, wasn't it, with yeah, Cooper and Gallup both, both looking really good. Um, as you say, this year... With with CD Lamb there, it's become a really crowded uh, wide receiver core, and yeah, personally, if obviously if Amari Cooper stays, I want Gallup to move on, um, and I think he can be a, a wide receiver too if he does move on. Um, he's shown flashes of what he can do, as I mentioned last year, um, but he's never going to get that consistent volume now with with CD Lamb there in the slot, and and Lamb's looked brilliant uh, this year, even without uh, Dak for the most of the season, and um, but yeah, I think. 
Gallops, I think it's shown Flashaway could actually be an alpha on a team um, already. I, I think he's got traits that he can be an alpha and, and be the number one target for a team. So, yeah, if, if, if he does move and, it, and he lands to a good spot, I'd be buying him because I'm a believer in the talent. But, yeah, it all plays down to what happens. Um, ideally, it'd be great if Cooper moved on from Dallas because I really <laughs> like galloping this offence. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, how that one plays out. What do you think, Kev? Yeah, I, I, I think his best spot to achieve is in Dallas. Um, I do think that probably pound for pound money-wise, he's a better value than Amari Cooper, um, which is easy to say because scallops on peanuts and <laughs> Amari Cooper's <laughs> on an absolute wedge. But um, I, I think they'll keep Cooper uh, in, in Dallas. I think that for me, I, I would be off Gallup, I think. If he's someone you can sell at a good price after a blow-up game, I, I personally do that. I, I, yeah. I think I don't think he'll be a wide receiver too outside of Dallas. So, mm-hmm. if I was looking to hold him, it'd be on the basis that he, he ends up staying in Dallas and he stays tied to Dak, assuming he stays as well. So, um, I'm probably the, the flip to you on on Gallup on this one. I'm probably yeah. trying to sell him after a big performance. A bit, a bit like this week, actually. If you've still got, yeah, obviously actually. it's going to be hard cost seasons <laughs> over in any normal league. But um, I, I'd be trying to do that on his next big performance. Yeah, yeah. It's just a shame, as I say. I'm, I'm a big fan of Gallup. I think his talent's terrific. So, yeah, shame. I, if, I probably should have sold him earlier. I, I clung on to him, hoping that he would <laughs> turn into this next superstar. And CD Lamb comes along and puts end to all that for me. <laughs> and I, I think he was a it was a it was a great buy at the time if you, if yeah. you bought him last season because him, him and Coop were back to back on fancy points mm-hmm. per game. It was like a coin flip, and yeah. he was the the difference he was paying from both was crazy. And then obviously CD Lamb fell to them, which. Uh, they added McCarthy, who, who uses a lot of free wide receivers, and the rest is history. I think it's really crushed him. Yeah, they, they couldn't turn down them, could be in that spot. So, yeah, it's a real shame for God. So, we'll move on then to the next game, which was the Rams at the Seahawks. It was. And it's me to talk. <laughs> 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 that's twice I've done that now, You're just testing me, mate. It's, it's all right. I know, just, just got to keep you on your toes, Kevin. That's all. you paying attention. <laughs> so, a real defensive battle this one with neither quarterback getting much going again. Um, Seahawks pulled away late on, but real disappointing performance for, for both teams, really, when it comes to, to fantasy. And uh, I mentioned disappointments to Tyler Lockett. I think we, we've got to mention him as a disappointment this year. Um, Finishes this one with just three receptions, 44 yards. And he's currently actually the, the wide receiver 13, but. I feel like that's just been completely inflated by those two huge games. Um, week two, he put up 37 fantasy points, and then week seven, he put up that massive 53 fantasy point week. So I think that's, that's blown up his, 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 um, his current ranking. And since that since then, blow up games, is the wide receiver 35 since that week eight. So that just goes to show how, how much those two big games really inflated his position at the moment. Obviously, DK Metcalf, we know, we know he's like the alpha there and he looks like the wide receiver you want to own in, in Seattle. Just looking absolutely dominant as always. Um, so, yeah, I just want to know what are you doing with Lockett um, this off-season? Kev, is, is he a sell like he is for me? I think it's a, a good question. I, I, I just think, it, I think Lockett's got a pretty decent name value, I think. Yeah. 
it all depends on your league. I think if you're playing in a more casual league with um, with players that sort of see the name value, you could, you could probably pass him off as yeah. as a solid uh, wide receiver too. Say, oh, he's been he's been the wide receiver thirteen the last two seasons and yeah. wide receiver seventeen before that. Um, I think you could get a good good prize for him still, uh, but I just think the switched on owners will, will, will be a little bit like yourself where he is a sell, I think, just based on the fact that he's he's only really given you a couple of games with, where he's been really good for your lineup on based on where you're taking him. I think Metcalf's really stood out and took that next step to be the alpha in that offence. Um, obviously, you've got Russell Wilson as well, so that's another another point you can use to sell Lockett. But yeah, I'm, I'm in full agreement with you on this one. Lockett's a sell for me if you can get him moved to uh, to a team maybe uh, that, that values name value and uh, <laughs> wide receiver finishes. Yeah, that, that's what I'm playing it off. Um, the, the wide receiver 13 tag that he's got at the minute, I think you can use that when, you, when you're trying to move on from him. He's not somebody that I put as, if he told me he's a top 13 wide receiver, I wouldn't believe you because... From what he's shown all through the year, he's not shown that as is. As I say, it's just been those two big games, and yeah, I'm just going to use that to try and move on from him. Um, definite sell for me. Definitely. It's just it's just his usage is painful as well in the sense yeah, that is, yeah. you look at the raw numbers he's getting. He's probably going to finish around 90 catches, uh, probably over a thousand yards and eight eight touchdowns. Which, if you look at it in a vacuum, that's a really nice, a really nice stat line for the season, but. Yeah. If you're a locket owner, you obviously know that he has these blow games, and then he has these games where he gets you five points, and yeah. you never know when it's going to be or when Russ is going to decide it's a DK Metcalf fifteen target game or a. a I mean, Tyler Lockett had a twenty target game this season against the Cardinals, <laughs> so um, yeah, he's a dangerous, dangerous asset. So I think, despite him being considered quite stable based on what he's done over the yeah. consistently few years. Yeah, a thousand yard season and, and he got 200 them in one game. So <laughs> fifth is, that fifth is pretty wild. Come in one game. <laughs> so yeah, definite sell for me and it sounds like you agree, Cap. Yeah, we're friends so we'll again. Move on. <laughs> we'll move on and it was the Titans at the Packers and it is definitely you to talk about this one, Cap. <laughs> Indeed, so the, 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 <laughs> the Packers crushed the Titans in this snowball fight uh, 14 uh, we all anticipated a big day from one big dude in Derek Henry, but it was the Packers' own big dude, AJ Dillon, who stole the headlines with his breakout game. Uh, the 250-pound bruiser had 124 yards on the ground and a pair of touchdowns, giving him a cool 25.9 fancy points on the week. His 22 touches were easily a season high, almost half of the 47 touches he's had this season. But we do have to say that some of the production was down to the conditions and also the injuries to both Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones in the game. Um, but he did play well. He flashed the potential to gain more work next season with him being the only backers running back signed through 2021. So, might be a crazy question, but will the unthinkable happen and AJ Dillon be the workhorse for the Packers next season? I have to say, I'm... Um... I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get too excited over this one performance. If I'm being honest, um, <laughs> obviously he had a great day, but he hasn't beaten out Williams for that number two role all season. No. So I think we have to bear that in mind. Um, 
and and to be honest, I still think that Aaron Jones is going to come back next year, and I, I think he'll be the, the running back for for the Packers next year. Um, and even if not, I think they'll if they do use Dylan, they're, they're going to bring somebody else in to use in that passing game. And um, we've seen he's not really a running back that that gets used in the passing game. A lot of comparisons, obviously, to to Derek Henry with his size and yeah. obviously with his, his lack of ability, should we say, in, in the passing game. Um, but I just don't see this offense being run like like the Titans run that offense around Derrick Henry. I can't see the Packers doing this with with Dylan. So for me, I, I think he'll probably see more touches. It as I say, if, even if Aaron Jones doesn't stay and, and Jamal Williams doesn't stay, I think they'll definitely bring somebody else in to to use alongside Dylan. Um, what do you think, Kevin? Are you a fan of Dylan or? I think he's an interesting guy. I know he mentioned um, Matt LaFleur. He, he actually coached Derrick Henry in, in Tennessee, but yeah. uh, if we remember rightly, he really struggled to use Derrick Henry to his full potential. I think he yeah. he, he didn't play him like most of the season. Then he had like them wild Decembers where he's running for 280 odd yards against the, yeah, the Jacks on who, who, who did that this year? Uh, running a, a December? Yeah. Similarities happening with, with Dylan, obviously, happening this year. <laughs> yeah. Waiting yeah. And waiting and then using him in these snow games. And that's the thing, like, LaFleur, he didn't really use Henry to his full potential. Um, he, he, he sort of really made his mark last season and this season. So yeah. I wouldn't be too excited for Dylan personally. I think that you're right. They will bring in a pass, pass down running back, probably Jamal Williams back, I'd be the guess. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll I'll let someone else take AJ Dillon and that risk costs. We know that Derek Henry is a he's a, a he's a generational type running back where to be that big uh, and to be a fantasy hit, it's not something that's very common, especially for a guy that's not going to be making a, a ton of catches as well. So um, like you, I'll be avoiding Dillon, letting someone else take him and uh, deal with that uh, headache. Yeah, it's worth mentioning, obviously, it was against the Titans as well this week. So it's not like he's played a, a top uh, running defence. Uh, Titans have struggled all year against the run. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just not getting too caught up in it all. So I'll just ask you a quick question then, Kev. Um, if we say that Aaron Jones doesn't resign, then, and you mentioned that you think Jamal Williams might resign, who would you rather have out of Williams or Dylan in fantasy? Easily Jamal Williams. Yeah, I agree. I would hope you might say Dylan, but <laughs> I, I agree with that one, yeah. I, I'm taking Williams. It's proven that he can do it both on the ground and through the air as well with his, his receiving ability. So, yeah, I'm for sure. It, Williams could actually be a, a sneaky little sneaky little buy low if, if he does stick around in with the Packers. Yeah, agreed. I think if, if Jones goes, we, yeah. we've seen that Williams has flashed when Jones has been injured previously. So, yeah. Um, so yeah. I think I think most most people are clocked on that they're both free agents and <laughs> yeah. uh, you'd like to think anyway. But yeah, if you've got Williams at this stage, I think you're just just hoping that yeah. he resigns and Aaron Jones doesn't, because then you'll you'll see his value absolutely skyrocket. Yeah, absolutely. Unless they're a Dylan fan. Well, that is true. But I don't think there's many of them about, is there? Nope. Oh, according to Twitter, there's a, there's a few knocking about, Kev. <laughs> See plenty of victory laps last night. <laughs> so we'll move on to his last game then, which was the Bills at the Patriots. Comfortable victory for the Bills where Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs likely carried you to your, your fantasy championships, both having uh, huge games. But it's, it's actually the Bills' backfield that I want us to talk a little bit more about. Um, 
Zach Moss being their most productive back this week with, with 12 carries for 57 yards and a touchdown. Single Terry on the other hand had 10 carries for 36. But overall, it's just been a real headache for owners this backfield. Um, never really know what's going to, which running back's going to uh, pop uh, on any given week. Moss is currently the, the RB48, but he has obviously missed two games. And then Singletary is the RB30, so that just proves what a, what a headache it's been. And, and you never know which running back's going to get used most. So just to, to finish off, Ken, I just wanted to ask, uh, who would you rather own in this, this backfield? Um, and do you think they had somebody in the off-season? Just a mess, isn't it, really? Yeah, I mean... Absolute uh, mess. I, I, I'll be completely honest. I, I can't pick between them. I think no. I think the way it will evolve is I think Moss will be the early down back, the the goal line back, and I think Singletree will be more of the pass catcher. Um, it's it's just going to be a mess. I don't think any have stood out and uh, and shone this season. There was a part around the middle where you, you saw a bit of momentum for Zach Moss. He had a couple of touchdowns against the Patriots in Week Eight and um, a few decent games either side of that. But then his usage completely went. Um, if, uh, I think middle of the season it looked like Moss were going to be a potential three down back but it, it sort of faded down the stretch if, if I had to pick one I guess I would lean Moss just because he was a rookie in a, in a strange off season mm-hmm. and he was obviously selected this season whereas Singletree was the season before um, so I guess it's kind of a bit like if you had a a Cam Akers and a Darrell Henderson, you'd you'd lean Akers, not because he's yeah. way more talented, but because he was taken more recently in a, in a mm-hmm. draft, which means that there's a, that there's a bit more invested, a bit more belief in in him. So probably not, probably probably neither. But uh, if if you had to take someone, I'd take Moss. What about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm probably saying I think I'd take Moss. That little bit more unknown with Moss and just hoping he's got that little bit more extra that we've not quite seen yet and if he does get that expanded role it can turn into a real valuable asset but yeah it's, I think it's just going to be a headache moving forward personally I don't think that the Bills are going to, going to target another running back do, do you think they, they go after anybody else or do you just think they, they stick with this bit of a committee they've got going yeah I think they'll stick with a committee I think yeah. that they've got young running backs uh, but both have, have got pretty decent roles. I, I actually think that they are, they are a good tandem, but for fantasy, it's not not ideally what you'd want. So I, I don't think they'll go after a running back. Uh, I don't think they need yeah. to at this stage. No, you never no. know, though. If they end up in the playoffs and the need to run out of clock and they end up uh, not doing that, then mm. they might make yeah. an immediate reaction to go after a, a running back. But they do seem a pretty switched-on franchise uh, as a whole, yeah. so I, I don't think they'll be prioritising running back yeah I agree I think that they've probably got other areas that they, they want to focus on in the, in the draft and maybe in free agency so yeah not, I don't think they're, they're going to make any moves at, at running back and it's just going to be another headache uh, moving forward and it's, it's just a shame because I, I quite like the Bills but the, I'd say the majority of Bills fans I know are complete Bills so um, <laughs> it's hard to cheer for them but uh, they are a, a really up and coming franchise so uh, I'm excited to see how far they can go this season Yeah, so on that note that brings us to the end of uh, another episode of the Fantasy Wildcard Podcast um, just a quick one bef- before we leave we, we just want to give a shout out to Josh Brown who was the, the winner of our Listener League um, worthy winner would you say Kev? I think I think Josh did 
Well, it did definitely did better than me, but that wasn't hard. That's not hard to say. <laughs> yeah, I think he absolutely fluked it. I'm giving him no credit at all. But uh, <laughs> on, on a serious note, it did do. It did do really well. I think there were a few few contenders in there that were worthy, but I don't think uh, either of us were were worthy uh, contenders in the end. <laughs> yeah, I definitely wasn't. That is, that is a fact. Uh, but with that, where Josh has got his got his place in our in our dynasty league, the listener league that we're going to be setting up over over the off season. Um, we'll we'll post more about that. We'll we'll mention it a bit more on the podcast. So be sure to to tune in during the off season, and, and we'll mention it a bit more and, and give out details about this uh, dynasty listening league that we're hoping to set up. Yeah, it's going to be an exciting one. We're going to try and uh, aim it at listeners. So yeah. you might not see a lot on social media, but keep listening to the pod, and uh, we'll we'll definitely bring you the details when it's uh, near the time. Yeah, absolutely, and I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. So that's it. That brings us to the end of the 2020 season. We're going to have a little break. Um, we'll be back around mid-January to, to restart the podcast and really start diving into into this soft season and, and targeting the NFL draft and just bringing all things down. Stay out with Kev during the soft season. Yeah, it's going to be an exciting time. We, we're going to have a few weeks, few weeks to recharge, come back mid-January. Yeah. Um, just really want to thank the listeners for... Um, being on this journey we've started in September and uh, we really appreciate everyone listening and supporting the pod yeah I ditto that it's really appreciative of of the listeners and I fully enjoy myself joining this podcast with yourself Kevin and obviously Rich it's it's been fantastic oh cheers Matt (laughs) (laughs) and uh, hopefully the the listeners can tell that we're really starting to bond aren't we Kev we are we are the best <laughs> friends that have never met because of lockdown. So uh. yeah, I'm sure that'll change though once uh, once all this COVID uh, vanishes and we, and we can go out for a nice drink together. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, with that, um, make sure everybody to, to subscribe to the, the Twitter, which is at Fantasy Wildcard. Obviously, subscribe to the podcast if you aren't already. And once again, just thank you for listening. I hope you all have a fantastic new year and all the best for 2021. Cheers, Stella. Cheers. When you have the wild card, you have the power to change the game.